Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So many people, you know, I, I remember seeing on Twitter, like, I'm so disappointed. I used to be a fan or all this. And I go, look, if you're looking at me to say only things you agree with, I'm, you're setting yourself up for disappointment. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't expect that of is there anyone in your life you're supposed to expect that of i mean i don't know your your clergy maybe mm-hmm. that cer- certainly hasn't worked out super great for most of the time although i have some priest friends i really love <laughs> <laughs> hey everyone and welcome to the very first episode of the last laugh my new weekly podcast from the daily beast and himalaya media i am so excited that you've tuned in to this show today to listen to my interview with the very funny sarah silverman i was really excited that sarah decided to come in and be our first guest on this show because i've just been such a huge fan of hers for a long time through everything she's done in her career from starting out on Saturday Night Live and Stand Up and the Sarah Silverman program and and up until her most recent project, which was I Love You, America, a weekly topical show that Hulu decided to cancel very prematurely, I would say, at the beginning of this year. I wanted to talk to Sarah about what that experience was like for her and kind of how she's moving forward after it. Uh, We also talked about everything from the 2020 Democratic primary to her feelings about her friends Al Franken and Louis C.K., and what it's been like for her to get back into stand-up after everything that went down with the show. So thank you so much for tuning in to listen today, and uh, without further ado, this is The Last Laugh with Sarah Silverman. Um, So yeah, I think, uh, you know, I want to really jump right in because um, earlier this year, we found out some uh, some bad news that your your Hulu show I Love You America was was canceled very prematurely I might add. Thank you. So um, sad. So bummed. Yeah. I feel so like a, a shell of myself. So I mean, how did you how did you find out? And did it did it come as a as a big surprise <laughs> when it when it happened? It did. <laughs> it came as a surprise. We were so sure we were getting picked up. Everything elevated in the the what's what we call the second season but was uh, officially called season 1B for uh financial reasons mm. i would say mm. um of by hulu um yeah and uh it's funny not funny but funny because um one of our executive producers Mike Farah from Funnier Die was our studio and um he texted me and I read the text like this. We we found out from Hulu. Can you get on the phone? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah. And I get on the phone and everyone's melancholy. And I immediately know I, I that I was uh, 
my expectations were wrong and, and we didn't get picked up. And then I was in charge of telling our head writer uh, and also executive producer, um, Dave Ferguson. And I thought that I texted him, bro, give me a call when you get a chance. <laughs> but he read, bro, give me a call when you get a chance. So I actually did it to him. Yeah. Uh, what was done to me, I really didn't mean to, and it was terrible. Um, yeah, we're all super bummed about it. You know, we're going to see each other on Sunday at the Writers Guild Awards, so that will be a fun party for us because we haven't seen each other since. And it's actually a bunch of writers because when they picked us up between season one and season one B, mm -hmm. um, we had to hire a bunch of new people because it was had been so many... Um, so, so, so many months and so beyond the time they were supposed to let us know that people had to get other jobs. You yeah. Um, what did, you know, either Funny or Die or Hulu tell you about why that decision was made? Uh, I think, you know, I know that they did love the show, but I think the what it costs compared to the, you know, its popularity or the eyes that they had on it didn't... Uh, you know, the people that make the decisions there aren't, don't have any connection to the show, so it's easier for them. It's probably mm. a good, it's probably smart. You know, they make very hard decisions and, yeah. and bold. And um, so, yeah, I, I guess uh, <laughs> it's funny because Craig Erwick, um, Craig mm -hmm. Erwick, who runs Hulu, I guess, he was our, you know, guy. Um, it was always very nice and, you know, he, I probably shouldn't, ah, fuck it. Um, I <laughs> guess I'll just burn this one down, but, um, I think it's a funny story or maybe it sounds obnoxious and it's too show busy. I'm really debating right now. You might have to say it now because you <laughs> said fuck it already. <laughs> well, he, he's actually lovely and, and I felt that the notes that Hulu gave us elevated the show a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, the second half we did the quickie at top at yeah. the top, which really got a lot of traction and was very like of that day we like responded to the news, shot, wrote it, shot it, and put it out all in a day. And it was exciting. And and then the monologue could stay more like it was still current, obviously, but um, more of symptomatic of like the times we're living in. Regardless of your party affiliation, we got a bunch of new faces in the house and 33 of them are women. Yeah, sure, I don't agree with all of them, but I don't agree with all the women in my Lamaze class. They don't even think I should be there. I'm like, I'm sorry I'm not pregnant. Plus, we elected the first openly gay governor, two Native American congresswomen, one of them gay, and two Muslim congresswomen, one of whom will be the first to wear a hijab. This is a grab bag of Republican worst nightmares. It's like a, a congressional caravan. They could be hiding Middle Easterners and people with ethics in there. So, first of all, they... They called us uh, the day before they canceled us to s ask if they could extend the ad I did for Hulu. Mm -hmm. I go, sure. Yeah. And then my partner, Amy, and I are like, oh, I'm going to get picked <laughs> up. And then the next day they uh, canceled us. And then the day after that, we got nominated for, uh, um, you know, it's one of their only shows nominated for Emmys besides yeah. uh, 
Handmaid's Tale. Yeah, you guys Tale. were nominated for the uh, only comedy uh, for yeah. sketch series. Anyway, um, uh, so so Craig kept trying to connect with me, and I never understand that. I know whatever. I guess it's the right thing for him to do. Like, but. I just am like, why? Mm-hmm. But he emailed me and he said, oh, I know this is bittersweet, but congratulations. And I'm so sorry we had to you know, cancel the show or whatever. And I wrote him back and I, <laughs> I said, I've really turned into my mother mm-hmm. completely. Who, <laughs> who um, let me give you an example of my mother. She was a theater director in New Hampshire, local mm-hmm. theater. And she won the like theater director, New Hampshire theater director of the year, you know, thing, uh, or lifetime achievement thing. And, and all three, all of us sisters um, flew in and surprised her and, like, presented her with the award. And, you know, you go up and you go, thank you so much. And But, no, she just, <laughs> she's in the middle of rehearsals for some show and she gets on and she says thank you for about five seconds and then goes into, you know, if you're not 15 minutes early for rehearsal, that means you're late. And when you're late, you're you're telling me that your time is more important than mine. And I'm just, we're just going, Mom, <laughs> say thank you and get off. Not the time. It, yeah. It, but I've, I've really become her where I, you know, where she, I, I couldn't relate to it then. But in her mind, she was helping people. And also she can't. Just like me, like, can't let things go when, when she can't get her head around something. So when I wrote him back, I said, uh, you know, uh, truthfully, you know, I said, I'm, I'm, we're so bummed and I'm, I'm so sad about it. But I, I have to say that, like, the input that you guys gave us elevated the show and I really appreciate it and, and the work that you put into it. And I, I, it made it this show that I'm so proud you know it was the only thing I've ever worked on where I wake up before my alarm and I get to work early because I'm just so excited about it I I had a place to put all this mm-hmm. daily bombardment yeah so um as Mr. Rogers would call it <laughs> so anyway I set up I have some notes <laughs> and uh if you're not interested in them you know just uh, you know this is the end of the email but if you are keep reading and I just had uh, several notes yeah. And, uh, Can you give us one of them, or what? What was uh, uh, what were the highlights? You know, they they they're real first world problem things. But you know, we would work long hours and and every day, and it was all I ever thought about. I said, you know, if you're if you're sending the person whose show it is who writes on it and performs in it and everything to New York for twenty four hours to do, you know, eight appearances to promote your network, um, and then fly. And then she flies, takes the red eye home to get to work, go straight to work the next day. Go ahead and fly her first class. <laughs> I, I, I think it's worth it. Yeah. You're a big network. You got lots of money. I, I think it's worth it. Uh, two, um, if she's nominated for an Emmy for a show on your network, uh, um, don't. I, I got a bill for $1,500 for my hair and makeup and uh, grooming and all that stuff that's expensive on Emmy Day. Like, yeah. it's all heightened expenses. Um, they didn't... They, even Comedy Central, like, 15 <laughs> years ago, paid for that shit yeah. when I was nominated. Like, I, I couldn't believe it. I got a bill. I go, what is this? Yeah. I said, oh, Hulu won't pay for it. I was just... I was just flummoxed. Like, wouldn't it be worth them paying $1,500 to not have me on Matt Wilstein's podcast saying <laughs> Hulu wouldn't... Pay fifteen hundred dollars for a, 
you know, an Emmy for their network, you know, I said, um, hey, you know, I got a star on the Walk of Fame, uh, whatever, you know. I just want to say uh, Netflix sent me roses, a beautiful note, and made a donation to uh, my, uh, one of my favorite charities. Um, I didn't even get an email from you guys. <laughs> I go, that stuff doesn't mean anything to me. It really doesn't. Yeah. But um, it's just such a bad look, you know, for you guys. And yeah. and it was for your show. And uh, and by the way, Netflix also sent me roses when I was nominated for an Emmy for your show. So I don't know. It, it doesn't take much. It takes putting an assistant on it. Mm-hmm. Like one assistant yeah. does that shit. Um, but it's just... Uh, it just is not a good look, and it's classy as fuck of, of Netflix, you know? Yeah. I, mean, I did one special with them, like, four years ago. Yeah, wow. So, um, I, you know, just stuff like that. It's it's cocky, obnoxious, and, and, you know, I mean, for anyone at home listening to this, they're probably saying, fuck you, you know, and I, get, I totally get it. But there's such a big corporation made up of every network except for CBS. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. um, it's just, like... I, I I was earnest in that. Like, this it's just good business, you know. Like those things are really like it's it's kind of a I don't want to say appalling, you know. That yeah. separating children at the border is appalling. Right. <laughs> this is really not a big deal at all. But just in terms of, it's just very. Uh, oh God, I sound like such a douchebag. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, well, I keep my overhead very low, but Hulu doesn't. Yeah. So you know they yeah. should probably well, pay it, for it, shit. It shows where their priorities were that they you know canceled your show at all because it was um, you know I think a very culturally impactful show, which I think is what they are you know you would think that they would be looking for with this type of of show. Yeah, you know I knew it was canceled before kind of it was announced that it was canceled, and it was just so heartbreaking because when I go out and do, you know, just whatever my daily errands I'm at the supermarket or wherever. I it, I don't realize how many people and, you know, I'm seeing it because they're coming up to me because I, I have that show. It's not mm-hmm. like everyone watches it. But, you know, obviously it was niche, niche. I don't know. Either one. But, you know, so many people would go, keep doing what you're doing. And, you know, and it just is like so heartbreaking because I kind of feel cut off at the knees, you know. Um, yeah, there was a really huge outpouring of support, you know, from fans online, um, you know, that I saw when when you when it did get canceled. And it does make you kind of think, well, well, where were these people? Were they watching? Well, it's always that way. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I, yeah. But, but uh, yeah, it's a super bummer. And, you know, we own it. You know, we yeah. could bring it somewhere else. But it, there is some, you know, and, and we've seen that happen with shows mm-hmm. and stuff. But ultimately, it's a lot of ego is involved of networks where they don't want, like, someone's sloppy seconds, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, the other part of this was that it was the third, um, at least the third female-fronted late-night style show that was canceled within one year. Yeah. Um, and if you go back a little bit further, there was Chelsea Handler on Netflix as yeah. well, whose show got canceled, I think, you know, before it really got a chance. Absolutely. I mean, what do you what do you make of that? Do you do you think that's a, a problem? Um, you know, I, I, there's a, the female, there's a woman aspect, but there's also the streaming aspect right. because both Maya and, and Chelsea's shows and Michelle Wolf, yeah. Wolf uh, Michelle Wolf's shows were on streaming and it's, um, I guess because there's no, it, it's hard to have, um, the, the whole appeal of streaming is that it's not appointment television, you mm-hmm. know, it's, um, there for you at any time. 
So they have a real hard time um, figuring out. As a matter of fact, there was an article written that like, wow, my show is the only one that survived. You know, but then it, yeah. it got canceled. <laughs> um, wow, I sound like a like Don King or something. I'm really like self promoting. <laughs> I'm not usually that way. Uh, but uh, but it, it it's not just that it were women. They were they were streaming service mm-hmm. um, political shows, which is isn't the perfect um, formula because it, it isn't streaming by design isn't really appointment television. So, you know, I, there isn't, I, I don't really understand why, I guess because you can't DVR streaming. It's just there. So mm-hmm. it's not like on your right. menu per se, or, you know, you have to make a little more effort and, and um, you know, modern living is about the least amount of effort certainly is for me. Mm-hmm. Like even DVDs, I'm like, uh, D- you have to put in a DVD. <laughs> like it's so, but um, that's why it is. You know, I mean, like, HBO's got. Um, I love HBO, and and to me, that my show, I just, I wish so much that it was there because yeah. it belongs there. Um, but and they have such great political comedy shows, but it's a real sausage party. I mean, I don't know if two makes it a party, but even if you look at Bill Maher, my friend who Mm -hmm. I adore, John Oliver, who I'm a super fan of, and Vice, you know. Yeah. Um, they're kind of political. They do have two is... dub queens, so they uh, they they should get a little. Oh, bit is of that political? Would you say that's political? Well, well, no, I guess it's that's it's a but it's a yeah, it's a, oh, and they Pod Save America. I mean, it's right. it's a veritable sausage party in the yeah. political arena, in the political side. For yeah, sure. yeah, that's yeah. Of course, it's not it's not a in terms of comedy. Mm-hmm. There's two dope queens, and they had, they have a ton of yeah, 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 women's stuff. I'm talking about p- politics. Right, right. Um, you know, the other part of your show that kind of set it apart from these other late night kind of shows was that it really did have this um, mission of bridging the divide between left and right and talking to people that you're that you disagree with. And that really hasn't been where a lot of other late night shows have moved, where it's really become let's all scream about Trump to people who already agree with us. Um so, I mean, do you think that that factored in at all? Do you think that a show that doesn't that tries to sort of speak beyond its bubble can survive in this media landscape? Yeah, I don't think that's that has anything to do with the the failure of the show at all. Um, just objectively, I, because mm-hmm. I, you know, um, it's interesting because it it really didn't get covered much. Um, you covered it a little and stuff, <laughs> but but it got covered tons by. The super right wing, like right. Breitbart and the Blaze, and even if it was negative, you know, on um, which it was always, mm. it they um, showed the clip. Yeah, you know, they posted the clip, and you know, so um, I loved that. I actually really yeah. appreciated it, even though they they didn't necessarily mean well. Coming up after the break, Sarah goes deep on what it was like to watch her friend Al Franken get ousted from the Senate, and a lot more. Since we, you know, we don't have your show on the air right now, um, we, I'd, I'd be really curious to see how you'd be covering the start of the Democratic primary. Um, you were obviously a big Bernie fan um, last time around. Is there anyone that you kind of have been excited about in these early days of, uh, of the candidates coming out? Kind of like all of them so far. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not making any decisions. I mean, you know, I interviewed... I, I know Cory Booker and I've mm-hmm. interviewed for him for the show and I, I really love him and I love that he is he has an unbelievable 
story. And he's a, a good person. So good that I, I, I think that it um, annoys a lot of Democrats. Right. They roll their eyes at him. But he is that guy for real. Yeah. And he also has been changed where he there was a point where he took corporate money and he doesn't anymore. And I like people who are changed for the mm-hmm. better. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, right. The Democratic. I, know, I, I like Cory Booker. I love Elizabeth Warren. I, I it, it it really kills me that this one. T- guess, gaff, I guess you could call it a gaff yeah. of I mean, she is. She does have a percentage of Native American. We all hear, oh, we're part this, we're part this, yeah. we're part this, our whole lives. It isn't until these DNA tests that we find out the actual percentage of stuff. So, you know, I don't think she was doing anything out of malice. As, as a matter of fact, she's committed her entire life and career to um, fighting fraudulence and um, tyranny and, you mm-hmm. know... Um, fighting for the the little guy and um, yeah, I think to so. M- like for yeah. that to stick to her and for nothing to stick to Trump, like yeah. it's just like it's mind blowing to me. Like we have to decide to forgive certain things. Like not a single person going, you know, calling. First of all, calling her Pocahontas is so fucking racist. It's yeah. just like it. I hate that anything has stuck to her. She is an unbelievable candidate. We should be so lucky mm-hmm. to have her leading the free world. Yeah, um, I think to me it was, I wonder if it's more her playing into Trump's hand and kind of responding to it is was what, well, that what was people the are gaff, more annoyed was with than, she, than anything that she did, you know, years and years ago in terms of her identity. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, Dealing dealing with him is like an odd thing because it's um, everyone knows that arguing with a crazy person makes you crazy. Mm-hmm. You're crazy if yeah. you argue with a crazy person. On the other hand, that crazy person is the president of the United States and these people are challenging him mm-hmm. for that job. So, you know, it's it's almost lose lose. Yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you about regarding the Democratic field is Kirsten Gillibrand who has still has the thing that's kind of stuck to her a little bit is her feelings, um, the way that she kind of led the charge to get Al Franken out of the Senate. And that's something that is still, I think there's people who are upset about that. There's people who think, oh, it's great that she did that. I mean, so I know that you, um, you know, are, are friendly with him um, and have been for a long time. So I was curious what you what you make of, of that. Well, I can only just be honest and say, if I didn't know Al Franken... Uh, I'd probably be like, yeah, go girl, me too. Mm-hmm. Fuck that shit. Yeah. Um, because I do know him, I don't feel that way. Mm-hmm. But I also am aware those disparities are because when you know someone, I truly believe, uh, just like the 60 women that wrote a letter from SNL, you know, and, and people go, believe women. And of course, you know, so so I don't I, I, I think and I've said this with the other people in my life that this is the case of that, you know, maybe I'm too close. And, you know, when you're a detective and your wife gets murdered, you'd think, oh, that would be the perfect person to be on the case. But no, they take that detective off the case because mm-hmm. they're too close to it. So maybe I, I'm too close to it. I just am seeing the dots and not the big picture. But I, I just can't believe it 
Mm-hmm. I, I really, he's, his wife is his best friend and constant companion. She mm-hmm. was with him, you know, most all those times. The thing with the, the USO thing is bullshit. And if you watch the sketch they did, it's give me a fucking break. Yeah. I'm not, they may be guilty of being, having, doing pedestrian comedy, yeah. I guess, but, um. And and she he apologized and she accepted his apology. I don't mm-hmm. know that for what senators have done, the things that they do and get away with. And I know that it was something at the time where they said, well, if he has to resign because how do we expect, you know, Roy Moore to resign or where it was all during mm-hmm. that and everything. Yeah. But the, here's the difference. And this is what we're teaching, you know, and, and so I'm not weighing in. Mm-hmm. This is me not weighing in. <laughs> but um, But it does seem that the Republican Party, and I don't think this is something to emulate at all, mm-hmm. uh, doesn't apologize, denies everything, admits nothing, and everyone keeps their job. Mm-hmm. And I hate that that's what we teach our children. But if you apologize and you say, I want there to be an ethics um, uh, investigation on me, mm-hmm. and I want to do everything by the book, this is my truth, I, you know, but mm-hmm. I'm open to that these women felt this way. I want to make this right. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that person then loses their job. I'm not saying, well, if they don't, yeah. he shouldn't. Yeah. I'm not. I like that the Democratic Party, I, I like to think that they focus on what is right and what is the truth. But I just don't, you know, Al never wanted to run for president. I remember having dinner with them and we were all going you gotta run in 2020 this is years ago mm-hmm. he said i have no desire to be president i will never run for president mm-hmm. he loved being a senator he loved representing minnesota it's it was his world it was his pride mm-hmm. and you know at the time he was killing it interviewing you know at the confirmation hearings of betsy devos and all these people and the right took a swing and hit a grand slam. And I I don't like when the right divides the left, which I see so often. Right. Um, they take such glee in being very able to divide the left. And that's why I worry about intersectionality and so much division on the left and not looking beyond that and saying, oh, right, they need us to be divided. Let's find a way to stay to get, you know, stay cohesive mm-hmm. i don't know talking yeah. out of my ass though you know? do you do you think either from talking to him or just knowing him that what hit do you have any ideas about what his next uh act might be because it seems like he is not someone who would just kind of disappear from the public eye forever he's working on stuff you know um but um not for me to say yeah but, okay but yeah i'm i'm uh i don't think i, I i'm a enemy of women to say that I, I'm rooting for him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm always rooting for people to be changed. You know, I just had this, like, whatever, uh, we don't have to talk about it, um, uh, ultrasound, violating ultrasound thing. Yeah, where the guy, I like, mean, I wanted to ask you about that. On directly with his hands on my breasts and stuff, and, and he did screwed up stuff. And a lot of people are asking, why'd you go to him twice? Uh, I didn't do it on purpose. When I found <laughs> that it was him again, I was emailed my doctor and said, I can't believe you sent me to this guy again. Yeah. And, and it was a mistake on, and my doctor's party felt terrible. And, mm-hmm. and then it happened again times a thousand. It was awful. 
But there's a reason I didn't expose his name. I'm not trying to destroy his career. Um, I want him to be changed. He has to wear gloves and he has to listen to women. He has mm-hmm. a chance to change. Yeah. But if he doesn't, there's going to be a problem. Because, you know, his answer when he was co- uh, confronted by my doctor was, I've never used gloves and I've been doing this for 35 years, which he doesn't realize it is what he's saying is, I've gotten away with doing this for 35 years and mm-hmm. no one speaks up. Yeah. Um, I saw you, you know, you had some some thoughts about the way that it was covered by various news outlets. Um, yeah. I, you know, listen, they can cover it however they want. And there's mm-hmm. someone that picks the pictures and, and it's not hard news. You mm-hmm. know, I know it's whatever. It, it's not a big deal. Uh, I posted it on Instagram and it's and people can cover it however they mm-hmm. want to. But it, it, it was not lost on me that oh, maybe most of the outlets that I clicked on, mm-hmm. um, the pictures they chose were all like me in boob dresses. Like, yeah. And I wore them and, you know, you know, like uh, gowns with my boobs on a shelf or, you mm-hmm. know, but certainly there are far more pictures of me like this and, yeah. and hoodies um, doing stand up and stuff. And and it is it's a conscious and maybe maybe not it's not a conscious choice but they mm-hmm. had to pick those pictures right. and the fact that they picked um revealing booby pictures and you know it could be just some intern that picks the pictures and but whatever and they but there is a systematic misogyny mm-hmm. and i i don't have any hard i'm saying with all of us you yeah. know, it could be young women doing it. It could be, it doesn't matter. That it feeds into this thought that um, this woman who is brassy and outspoken and speaks, sec- you know, um, graphically about sex in her stand-up and, you know, and or, or on her feet. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com maybe or whatever and and that she she and there were people who said things like this very rarely it was mostly very supportive whatever but you know how you can't have it both ways you can't be you know wear revealing dresses and um talk about openly about sex and expect to be treated quote unquote like a nun Mm. in the doctor's office and of course that's absurd but there's it's a very subconscious microaggression actually yeah. you know yeah i'm i'm curious you know what it's like for you to be someone who 
gets written about a lot in this way where you say something and all of a sudden there's 20 articles, whether it's something you said on your show or something you posted on Instagram. There's this tweet uh, from Patton Oswalt from about five years ago that I always think about where he welcomed Seth Rogen to the clickbait club um, <laughs> because he had said something and everyone was writing about it. And Patton is someone like that as well. And there, uh, there seems to be this this group. And, you know, I'm sure I'm guilty of this, too, as a writer, you know, covering this stuff where there's there's certain people what if they say something that's the least bit controversial or on some some you know topic that people are talking about, it it gets written about. So I mean, what is that like for you to 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 be that person? Uh, you know, I'm not Ariana Grande. Yeah, or what, I think that's how you're, you're supposed to say your last <laughs> name now. I heard. Um, you know, I. Look, I, you know, even when I'm get paparazzi, if I'm with a friend, mm. I go, don't worry, it's not going to show up anywhere. <laughs> anywhere. You <laughs> yeah. know, it's like someone is famous at this airport yeah. and, and they're just taking pictures. So it, it, I don't really, it doesn't, I mean, for that thing that I, I, I happen to read a lot of the comments and I, and, mm. um, I read some of the pieces about it, but pieces. Um, <laughs> they're basically, they just like reiterate what I yeah, said. And right. that's an article that they wrote for the day because they have to write so many articles right. a day. Um, but I, you know, I, I, I say to myself what I say to my friends and it's not self-deprecation. It's just reality. And it's, it's a, to me, a relieving reality. But, you know, when my friends go, oh, so they wrote this about me or they wrote that about me or people think this, I go, nobody's Googling you <laughs> except for you. Yeah. And, and certainly nobody's, uh, organizing it by date. Right. You know, like you're the only one doing that. So, it's, you know, no one I, I always assume people aren't really that aware. I mean, like this mammogram mm-hmm. uh, ultrasound thing, people it, it people talked about a little bit. But um, but for the most part, you know, I could Google myself. I I usually don't. You know, mm-hmm. it's funny because my my dad has a Google alert on me and my partner, my manager does. And so they'll know some stuff that be, days before. I find out, like, you know, an ex is now has an ex who, like, is seeing someone now mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah. And I won't know. And then they kind of together are like, do we tell her? But uh, <laughs> I, it's, it's um, you know, it gets less interesting as you yeah. get older. And, and that's a good thing. But, um, but I, you know, I'm, yeah, like, write this thing with, there was a, I tweeted at the president, you know, dirty words right who cares to me it was hilarious i you know there was no point in saying you clearly either don't understand what global warming is (laughs) or it doesn't mean warm (laughs) you know um or you're a fucking asshole uh manipulating your base who who believe you Mm -hmm. you're you're a liar and you're lying to people um, but it's just like, why, why bother? So I just said, fuck you and uh, your balls touch water. <laughs> and uh, I thought it was funny. And, and of course, like all these right wing people, I guess were like, this person's in a Disney movie. And like, how are you more offended by language than by right. the, the daily atrocities of this, this, this uh, person, I guess? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so odd. It's, yeah, they have to believe it. They must. Their brain is set up in a series of beliefs that they cannot let go of or be changed by anything because mm-hmm. that's their bread and butter. I guess I don't know. Yeah. Um, I mean, I tweet about Israel, and 
I, every other day I have a completely different opinion. I mean, I, I feel like I could write a thesis on both or all sides of the issue. You know, it's it's not to, to think it's so black and white is just so bizarre to me. You know, anyway. so so getting oh. back to Louis, <laughs> yeah. Louis, a brilliant comedian. You're saying that it was you were conflicted in that this is a friend of yours, and it, it, it's very. Listen, difficult. I I don't know if I'm going to regret saying this, but I've known Louis forever. I, I I'm not making excuses for him. Please don't take this that way. But you know, we are peers. We're equals. So. You know, when I was, you know, when we were kids and he asked if he could masturbate in front of me, sometimes I'd go, uh, fuck yeah, I want to see that. Yeah. Um, so I, I heard you on uh, Dak Shepard's podcast um, and you talked a little bit about how you felt like people took some of the comments that you made on Stern's show, Howard Stern's show, mm-hmm. about Louis out of context. So I just wanted to give you... Um, an opportunity to to clarify if you if you wanted to but you know the, this is the thing and and you know with this who knows what will happen as well i was pretty clear mm-hmm. on that show but because it's long form mm-hmm. and i think i said these exact words my experience with louis as a teenager informs perhaps informs his pathology a bit, mm-hmm. but in no way is analogous to crimes mm-hmm. he subsequently uh, assaults, you know, whatever he subsequently committed that mirror it, that com- come from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just speaking about my own experience and to see, to leave there, that's the first thing in the morning right. and I'm there for Hulu doing a day of, you know, eight different, 11 different shows, you know, yeah. and then getting on a plane to get back to work in mm-hmm. L.A. And to have the whole day <laughs> overshadowed by fucking this, you know, and the the um, clickbait by mm-hmm. credible, you know, places I read. And, yeah. and it's only because it happened to me that I go... But this isn't the whole story. Right, and, I, right. and I hope that I carry that with everything now that I read subsequently where I go, is this the whole story? And you have to click on it and read mm. it. But nobody clicks on it and reads right. it. Right. And and the headline was, oh, you jerked off in front of me and I didn't care. Yeah. And that's so cold and insulting and awful to the women that um, were hurt by by his actions. Mm-hmm. And... Um, it really, you know, I'm I'm also very close with Tig Notaro, and it was just like, it was really upsetting for people to read, and nobody wants to click on it because they're done with it. Right. So if you clicked on it, they quoted me, mm-hmm. but like if you don't, like nobody does. Yeah. It just makes me look like an asshole, and and me looking like an asshole is the least of it. It hurt mm-hmm. people, and yeah, and there was stuff that I said that wasn't quite. Um, that I don't think I was articulating the spirit of what I meant and um, who called me on it. Uh, Corey, uh, somebody, and, and, you know, and all I could do is say, fuck, you're right. You know, mm-hmm. like, I, it, it, it's very, it's a little harder to navigate the waters as a comedian mm-hmm. right now because you have to be free and let your mouth fly. Yeah. Um careful 
measured comedy isn't a thing for a reason. Right. You know, like, yeah. And I try to be sensitive and I try to be changed by the new things I learn um, because I want to. I'm into that. But I'm always going to fuck up. And, you know, so, so many people, you know, I, I remember seeing on Twitter, like, I'm so disappointed. I used to be a fan or all this. And I go, look, if you're looking at me to say only things you agree with, I'm, you're setting yourself up for disappointment. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can't expect that. of. Is there anyone in your life you're supposed to expect that of? I mean, I don't know, your, your clergy, maybe. Mm -hmm. That certainly hasn't worked out super great for most of the time, although I have some priest friends I really love. <laughs> yeah. um, it was Rebecca Corey, right? Yes, it was Rebecca to. Corey who I adore. And uh, uh, I, for some reason, I, I was thinking Corey Kahaney because I was thinking of Corey and then I knew it wasn't Corey mm. Kahaney, blah, blah, blah. So I didn't say her name. But it was Rebecca Corey who I, who's very funny and a very good person and who I adore. And I was happy that she called me on that because mm -hmm. that's helpful. That's what friends can do. Yeah. You know? Coming up, Sarah talks about the evolution of her own stand-up material and looks back at some of her most iconic roles, including that time she played Kramer's girlfriend on Seinfeld. So I want to talk to you about your stand-up um, because uh, maybe one upside of the show ending, I don't know, is uh, that you might have more time to, to get out and do stand-up. Um, what, how does that feel and, and sort of where, what's your approach to, to stand up these days? Um, yeah, I'm doing, I'm, I'm back doing stand up. It's so funny because, you know, I'm back at the clubs and then people go like, are you preparing for something? I'll, no, I'm just a stand up. I'm just, I'm like, I don't have a day job now. So this is, I'm full time. Mm -hmm. This like, I'm just, I'm not, uh, Stand-up was never something to parlay into something else. It's mm -hmm. forever for me. And and I also never think about specials. That's why I've had three specials in 20 years. Yeah. Like, unless somebody goes, want to do a special? <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess, yeah. So I, I always wonder. I have, like, drawers and drawers and drawers of comedy notebooks, and I'm just like, well, there's probably, like, two other specials in here I never did that I just I kind of keep my head down and just do stand-up. Mm -hmm. And do you feel like that those notebooks are, are in the past and they wouldn't be in a special now, or are they... I always keep them because um, if you flip through old stuff, um, there's so much that I never figured out, never got to work, or the whole world has changed and now it makes sense or something. So just to, even just to have a starting place to for my brain to be, but obviously, like, the world and the, you know, just living in the world also is helps a lot mm -hmm. but um yeah it's nice i mean it's it's nice i love doing stand-up you know when i was working on the show i wasn't doing it because i i'm not good at doing uh more than one thing at a time <laughs> I, but, you know when i was working on the show all i thought about was the show and then you know if i was home i was had to eat something and go to sleep mm -hmm. but um everything i wrote went into went into that you know so now it's um yeah, I'm having a good time doing stand-up. I probably have like a, I could easily do a half hour. I probably have a solid 20 to 25 minutes of actual ma good material. So one of the things you joked about when I saw you at uh, UCB not too long ago was uh, being single. Which I had, which uh, which was kind of fun. Uh, it's such new an eighties comedian premise, <laughs> but then it was like also my truth. So I was trying to reconcile with it. Yeah, 
Um, what has that been kind of interesting to to delve into that uh, type of material and that that premise? Well, it's like yeah, but it's also like hard to not be meta about it because it's just like to say I'm single on stage. Like I kept like holding <laughs> a microphone, and then I'm like, wait, there's a stand up mic I'm talking into, but I kept there's something like so that feels so inherently hacky about it that I have like yeah. these guilt pangs and then it just becomes a whole other bit. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but yeah, it's, it's only weird to navigate. I've always been in relationships for like big chunks of time. And every time I come out, I'm like a generation older and I don't know what my station is. Um, do you feel like the experience working on I love you America has, um, influence changed your your approach to stand up in any way yeah I mean I, I I think I've tended towards this but you know our head writer Dave Ferguson who I oh I just love him so much and uh and anytime I would go yeah but this or this you know I would have like a some kind of complex complex please I would have some kind of confusion about something or anything whatever was going on I can't think of an example but he would say well why don't you just say that you know what I mean and (laughs) so there's so many times where you don't realize like oh just say that like talk about the conflict talk about the what you can't uh, reconcile in your head talk about you know what I mean so it's it's um that kind of like he always did that in it in it's opened a door for me, I think, in a, in a way. So before we wrap up, I want to go through some of um, my favorite credits of yours. And you can tell <laughs> I me... I bet I know one of them. Ooh. And, I want, and you can tell me what your best and or worst memory is from each of them. <laughs> okay. So the first one is uh, your season at SNL. Ooh. Um... I mean, it was just, I was so young. I was so excited to be there. I also, like, went through, like, hardcore panic attacks where I was just trying to, like, not fall to the ground while I was there. Um, Made some lifelong friends. What's a juicy story, though? Yeah, let's get get the dirt. It's been a a while, so it's... I mean, here's a... Sweet store? Well, let's see. Here's a, f- a f- fun fact. I mean, this is like, I can't even believe how old I am that this is true. Although Saturday Night Live is like kind of, even though they're right on the cusp of the times, like the whole setup like worked in a certain way that it took them a while to get into computers. So like when I was there, we were wrote on like, I wrote on legal pads longhand and then there was a room of typists. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Can you believe it? I look so good for my age. <laughs> um, uh, there was a lock on the women's door, uh, women's room, bathroom door, but not the men's room. And that was to keep you from getting raped instead <laughs> of just saying uh, rape isn't allowed. Mm. And let's see. But it was it was a great experience. Um, it was like boot camp. To be there mm-hmm. one year is kind of, um, I mean, to have... Of many years there, I'm sure, is a, a blessing and a mitzvah. I mean, I look at Keenan mm-hmm. Thompson. Yeah. He's the longest running now. Yeah. He's the longest running, but I hope he never leaves. I mean, I hope he does leave, and I hope he has... Oh, he has got a sitcom, and I hope it's very successful. But he is so... First of all, he's done sketch comedy his 
whole life. Mm -hmm. I mean, all that was, he was a kid. Yeah. He is so brilliant on that Saturday Night Live. He elevates every sketch he's in. Mm -hmm. He brings some new, weird, nuancey thing to, like, any character that's written for him. I mean, there's just nobody like him. (laughs) He's just, he makes my face hurt. Yeah. And, um... But having been there one year is also a mitzvah, kind of, because uh, it didn't define me, but it was an unbelievable boot camp. And uh, I remember, you know, when I was there, Chris Farley was there and and Phil Hartman was there. And uh, it was kind of the end. It was still like that boys club, but, you know, I didn't know any different. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, a lot of good good people and I remember getting to rehearsal early one day and and Chris Farley was already there and I just kind of sat next to him on the stage eight uh was it eight a or whatever they mm, people know eight it. h yeah 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 so, sorry <laughs> of course and, I know uh, it I know you it's don't. legendary <laughs> and um he goes can you believe and he had been there three years he was already a big star and he goes, yeah can you believe it like we're sitting on the same stage as John Belushi and you know <laughs> I had, I was out of my mind excited and proud that I was there, but, you know, I had got, I was still this kid who was just inherently self-deprecating like so many comics and so many people are, where it's like once I was accepted there, it wasn't so cool because it was now a part of me and I'm mm-hmm. not cool. And that's so fucked up, you know, and... um and he, to see him go, whoa, can you believe it? Can you believe we're here? It was like it really opened my mind and, like, you know, taught me to really appreciate the moment a little and stuff. Um, I feel like I had one more funny thing. Well, maybe not. We can come back to it. If okay, we'll come back. Uh, best and or worst memory from playing Kramer's girlfriend on Seinfeld. I, I was thinking maybe I should spend the night. Oh, that's sweet, but actually, I... I think I'd prefer it if you left. What? You were completely right. I sleep so much better when I'm alone. And you scream in your sleep. I do? There was a man he was trying to get into my apartment last night. He was jiggling the doorknob for 25 minutes. Come on, it was probably the wind. It was a fearless cat burglar. Now listen, you gotta let me sleep here. I'll, you know, I'll stay over here on my side and I'll, I'll stuff a sock in my mouth. Cause I don't want to sleep alone. Well, I do. Uh, he's a nice guy. <laughs> he's a nice guy, but I will say I was trembling, nervous, and it wasn't. A live audience shoot. Mm. Um, by that time, they would they would block and shoot an episode, and then when they did a live episode, they'd show that episode uh, before the that you know they would show it and record the laughs. So they were like organic laughs, but they would block and shoot it without an audience sometimes. And the episode I was on was one of those. And I was so nervous, and, and there's a scene where we're in bed, and it was the first scene we shot. And uh, and I just knew him as Kramer and wacky guy, you know. And he's scared, 
And uh, he says, what's that noise or something? And I say, and my line is, it's probably the wind. Mm-hmm. And I accidentally said, it's probably the rain. Mm. And he broke character and he points to the window and he goes, do you see rain? Do you oh, see rain out there? And my, I, I was like just trying to not cry. And I'm like, no. Then why did you say it rain? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. You know, whatever was going on with him, I don't know. It was not a That bit. was what happened. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, fuck. And then the next day we were shooting in Monk's Diner and we were sitting there not shooting yet. And he's just shooting the shit like we're buddies. He goes, yeah, I'm looking at a new place, but I don't know. Blah, 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 blah. And I was so like, uh toughened up from the day before that he just goes and go, talks and talks and then finally I go I don't give a fuck <laughs> and then he then he was nice to me and then you're we speaking got his language I go F- I don't give a fuck I, I, I think I just had to like push it out to like protect myself or something I don't know but whatever happened uh, then we were friends and he was cool and, and um, that was that working with Gary Shandling on the Larry Sanders show. I mean, please. He was... Um, I got introduced to him because my friend Dave Rath, when I came out to Los Angeles, um, brought me to his Sunday basketball game because I had played with basketball in New York with Rath. And, and I was 24, and Gary was 45. And I played in that game until I was 45, and that's when Gary passed away. And, uh, God, I think it's been three years. Mm. In March it will be. And uh, I just can't believe it. Just um, such a massive loss. And um, he he was a... Um, so he, he liked to write real stories and, and do real stuff. And here's a great story, from, an interesting story from that. Is, so he said, you're going to be on Larry Sanders. You're going to be a writer, and it will be like... And um, he the writers all were writing it, you know, and he they had the writer's assistant, um, Justin, who, who also played in the basketball game, was supposed to call my agent. Um, at CAA at the time and, and ask for tape on me so that the writers could, if they weren't familiar with me, could mm-hmm. kind of write to it. And uh, my agent got on the phone and didn't un- didn't know I that this was a part writ- being written for me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I was not you know, nobody, you mm-hmm. know. At the, and, um, and my agent said to Justin, um, well, what's the part? Because I've got lots of girls. And I would never know that except Justin called me and said, you should know that your agent said this. Wow. And, um, it was a real bummer, you know. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, that experience was incredible. It was, he taught me so much about acting and about being a human being. And everything he learned the hard way he taught to us wrapped up in a bow Mm -hmm. you know he was so generous with what he learned and what he knew and what he figured out in difficult ways and any script you know i said on the judd made such did so good by him with that documentary so brilliant and was just so honest 
and um and I think Gary would have been so happy with it and uh and um you know I, I said even in that it's like there are he was so generous with everyone you know there are NCIS scripts that are elevated because one of the writer, you know, asked Gary mm-hmm. to read it and he gave notes. He always was willing to read things, give notes. I mean, it's a fucking pain in the ass to do. Yeah. Yeah. And he did it. And I remember Sasha Baron Cohen at his memorial was like, well, who's going to be our Gary? Yeah. Now. And and I think we both realized, like, oh, we have to be the Gary now, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Seems like a lot of people are carrying his uh, spirit forward in that way, including, yeah. including you. And I think that's good. Um, and then I guess just because we haven't really talked about it yet, uh, the Sarah Silverman program. Yeah. Well, it's funny because the, there were a lot of Mr. Show people came to mm-hmm. Sarah Silverman program. And um, that was just pure joy. You know, again, I just I got to make a, a TV show that was just what I thought was just the funniest thing in the world <laughs> you know it was mm-hmm. just like writing it was just massive belly laughs every day and uh shooting it was so fun you know i got to work with my sister every day mm-hmm. she's my older sister but she played <laughs> my younger sister which when i told her she was going to be my little sister she was like thank you <laughs> <laughs> she liked that everybody thinks she's younger than me yeah and uh yeah, it was pure joy. It was just um, we still we still love each other so much, and a lot of us all see each other a lot. We were just on a text chain mm-hmm. last night. And, um, you know, I look back, and there's lots of problematic stuff on the show. Right, and, yeah. And st- stuff that holds up that I love, you know. But you know, that's comedy. It's not evergreen. It's got to change with the times. And, uh, um, but, yeah, it was... It's funny because I'm I'm such a fan of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, and I think that Rachel Bloom is so brilliant, mm-hmm. and um, it's such a fun show, and my friend Adam Schlesinger writes on it as well. And I was talking to her at a party, and um, we were talking, she's like, um, do you sing? And I go, um, yeah, I had a, a sitcom that was a musical. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, oh, God, right, sorry. <laughs> but, uh... Yeah, I, I, um, yeah, it's such great memories. And, you know, of course, that's when I, we first met Harris Whittles, who's mm. gone now and yeah. just so young and so brilliant and so funny. He was the one, I mean, he wrote so many great lines on that show, but I always think of the one where, um, I'm eight months pregnant or nine months pregnant and I go to my abortion doctor, Ron Lynch. And I want to get an abortion. And he goes, I can't give you an abortion. You're you're eight months pregnant. I can't do that. And I go, hmm, all right. And I take a piece of paper and I write something down. Yeah. And I slide it to him. <laughs> and you think it's like a, an amount of money. And he looks at it and it just says, please. <laughs> <laughs> that was a Harris joke? Yeah, that was a Harris joke. Thank you, Sarah, so much for uh, for coming out and doing this today. It's just been a real pleasure uh, talking to you about all this stuff. Likewise. All right. And I like your beard. Oh, thank you. <laughs> what a perfect way to end. <laughs> thank you so much to Sarah Silverman for being our very first guest on The Last Laugh. If you enjoy the show, please, please tell your friends and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Wilstein and at TheDailyBeast.com. 
The Last Laugh is distributed by Himalaya Media for The Daily Beast. It is produced by Jason Smith for Starburns Audio and Scott Porch for Himalaya Media. And our engineer for this episode is Matt Brousseau. Our theme music is by Claude, who you can find on Instagram at claude.mp3. You can find the show every week on Apple Podcasts, the Himalaya app, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can find show notes and highlights from each episode on thedailybeast.com. See you next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.